What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you for making Coast to Coast your first choice for NBA coverage. We are free available on all platforms, and you can also watch every episode in full on our YouTube channel, along with all the best hot takes. And believe me, there are a lot of them. Just search Coast to Coast NBA podcast and you'll find all of our stuff. I'm Ronan Gain, and joining me, as always, is my boy from Boston, Christian Nambu. Chris, what's up, man? Very early for you over there. How are you doing? Yeah, good. It's uh, second week of PA school, just trying to make it through. Uh, this is this is what little uh, therapy I can get during the week, so excited to get into it. So we're, we're talking about the, the Rockets and uh, Thunder. I guess we're getting our vegetables out of the way for the Western Conference, but I'm excited to get into it. This should be fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, I know you got a you got a few soft spots for a couple of guys on the Houston Rockets, so I know you're gonna enjoy talking about them. Let's let's jump right into it with Houston. I mean, obviously it was back to back bad years. Obviously they're coming in. They're they're still in the the height of a rebuild after after uh, trading away James Harden, losing their their GM, losing their longtime coach. They've gone back to back years having the worst record in the league uh, last season. Their defense was non-existent, but the offense was uh, was quite fun at times. Uh, obviously, it didn't really impact their uh, their win total too much, but it was a, it was fun to watch them on offense. And I think that's the area that they're going to look to improve on this year, while having a bit more of a NBA level defense. It may not jump up the win column for them, but it'll definitely be a good sign for the future. So you're thinking of breakout players. Who, who are you thinking about when you think of a player on the Houston Rockets that's ready for a breakout year in 2022, 2023? I, I feel like I'm giving like a hipster answer here. Um, Cause everyone's going to say Jalen green and that's like not a, the wrong answer. Like that's probably the right answer, but I, I do want to give a little love to Alfred Shingun. Like we, mm-hmm. we, I think he needs to be talked about if we're talking about the Houston Rockets this season. Um, because we know that Jalen Green's gonna get better. I, I believe that we looked at how well he did last year, 17.3 points and 43% shooting, just very simply, like he's gonna do a lot more on the amount of volume that he does just by getting efficient, the NBA game, being more physical. So I think everyone knows that's gonna happen. If if you've watched Jalen Green, you know that's gonna happen. Seven three-point attempts as a rookie, like he's gonna get to a 20 point per game score this year. That's pretty, pretty obvious. But Alfred Shangun is a guy I think you got to watch because if you paid attention, if you're just looking at his box stats, it's not jumping off the page because he's not getting minutes. I mean, he's sharing the court with Christian Wood and he's sharing the court with two guards who are not really looking to pass, but he's a guy who can do everything. I think he's a Swiss army knife in terms of playmaking, his post ability, even his potential as a three-point shooter, like the amount that he can do offensively. um, I feel like I give a comparison in a way to Vucevic. Nikola Vucevic in the way that he's very versatile. You know, he's not jumping through the gym. He's not a really powerful rim runner, but he's very proficient in everything he can do on that end of the floor. And he's a guy that I think if he takes a big step is going to prove to be their most important, maybe not their most flashy player, but maybe their most important player. If you're thinking about offense being the big thing that the Rockets get better at this year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if, any Houston Rockets fans out there should definitely be watching uh, the, the FIBA World Cup because uh, Sengun has really been uh, putting up some really impressive performances. Obviously, you're gonna you might look at it and say it's not quite the level of the NBA, but 
watch those games and, and tell me you're not excited about seeing uh, seeing this guy uh, ne- next year. I mean, he's still just 20 years old, 6'9", 235 pounds. This guy, he, he's built, he's, he's ready physically, and he's only going to get better in terms of uh, – terms of working on his body and that uh, over the next year or two as well. And obviously you were right. You, you mentioned how he wasn't really getting minutes last year. He was playing under 21 minutes a game. Nothing he did was ever too flashy because of those minutes. When he did get time, he he often showed out. He, he often showed flashes. And I think this year we're going to see those flashes come into a more real picture of what Alfred and Shangun can be in this league, especially with Chris Wood now gone, he's obviously gone to Dallas Mavericks. He's going to be able to fill some of that time. And you think he played, I think it was 20.7 minutes a game last season. I think you're looking that it's very possible that he's up there 30, 30 plus this year because of the minutes that Wood's obviously leaving there. And because of the talent that he has, if he gets that little bit of extra time, he's going to show that show his coach, I should be out here. This team needs me out here. And not just on the the offensive end, because I mean, obviously, we know what he can do there—the passing, the vision, the post moves. Even you see it, especially I've seen it while he's been playing for Turkey. He, he he's actually a pretty good cutter as well, and he's got very good footwork too. But he can provide rim protection. He can he can provide some defense. So obviously, the defense is not going to come together this year. It's just not going to happen. But I think him and Jabari Smith. They are the two that are going to need to try and come together as a as a unit to kind of be the two that really get their defense clicking and be the two when they're on the floor, their defense is somewhat sustainable. I think when with Jabari Smith, obviously he's the rookie coming in, but I think if he just comes in, obviously he's got so much potential. He could be a three-level scorer, a versatile defender, a really elite two-way threat. But if he just comes in and is an, an efficient three-point shooter and a good defender. I think that could be the best thing for him and for Houston in his rookie year. And it could be important for Shangun as well, especially if you're looking to provide more floor spacing for him. Maybe he'll look to improve on his three-point shot. He, he obviously didn't really uh, take too many, uh, too many on last year, but I think defense is going to be important for him. He's not going to be a, a defensive player of the year candidate or anything like that. I'm not going crazy, but the offense, I think, will come if he can provide that bit of a mark as a defender as well. That'll really show Houston fans and the entire NBA that this guy is a legit center in this league. That dude, I mean that that's the hot take of the of the summer. There, Salvin Shingun's going to be a good defender this year. <laughs> I don't know. I I I, I think I'll, I'll I'll bring that back a little bit. I think that Shingun definitely is under rated or maybe overrated as a bad defender i think he's got good footwork to be a good a solid drop defender i think he looks really good defensively in fiba because it's not the nba (laughs) honestly like and and i think i think that's because he has good footwork to stay in front of pick and rolls i mean he's a very smart defender he knows how to get his hands in passing so i think he does the most that he can and and i think that jabari smith is going to help him a lot defensively but I want to talk about that pairing too, because I, I do think that Shangun is going to be good. I, I'm not sure about the, I'm not sure about the shooting. That that's interesting. If if Shangun comes in and like he's like aggressively a pick and pop big, and he can play in the post, that's huge. I mean that that's that's transformative. I think. Um, and I and I think that 
if you just watch his form, if you look at how his mechanics are, they're very sound. Like that's, he's going to get better as a shooter. Um, I, I think where he'll be the best though is I think when, when you watch him last year, the most exciting stuff that he would do is posting up wings. So it's not a, a lot of times like they would just switch on everything. They'd make sure they're staying in front of green. They'd send as much help as they can. And Changun would just be left to post up wherever he wanted. And he's a very, very good post player. Like his, his footwork is, I mean, I'm not going to go crazy, but like he, he has like a Jokic like style, the way that he can, you know, really get into his post moves, get into his bag, but still have like eyes on the back of his head to, to pass the cutters, pass the outside. I think that the biggest thing that he'll do, and this is kind of like my X factor for the Rockets, if they're going to get really good offensively, they need more reliable playmaking because Jalen Green's not that yet. I don't believe KPJ is going to do that. Ty Ty Washington still rookie. Who's going to be their, their bread and butter playmaker? I think Shangun is probably their best passer. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think Shangun is their best passer on this team. So how much offense do you run through him? I, I think you can actually run a lot of offense through him um, on the defensive side of things though. How do you think he's going to pair with Jabari Smith? Like Jabari Smith is going to be a really good defender. I think he's best as a help defender on ball in the perimeter. That's going to be tough defending centers. That's not going to be an easy task for him at the, at how big he is right now as a rookie. And Shengun's still a little too short to defend those true centers. So like that pairing is going to be a little weird defensively. I'm, I'm not sure how that'll work out. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a it's going to be a figure it out sort of sort of uh, period for them really. I mean, they're not it's not like they're pushing this year thinking okay, we need to really improve on what we did last year. We need to be pushing to get to the get towards the play in or anything like that. So, they're going to be given the time, I believe, to to figure it out defensively. Maybe they'll they'll realize that they they're going to need a more of a true center to to play in certain games, but I think the, the the combination of the two, I think Shangun, it'd probably be a bit tough to because he's only about six nine, so it might be a bit tough to to guard someone like the seven footers that we see in the league dominating. So, but I still think his rim protection is good, and I think especially with Jabari Smith, he's got the footwork and athleticism that maybe in his rookie year he might just get bullied that little bit because obviously he's still getting used to the league, he's still just a young kid. But I think as that time progresses and come towards the end of the season, we'll, we'll really see that the potential is there and that we know maybe it didn't all come together right just now, but I think the, the future is definitely bright as a, as a defensive pairing with these two. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be, if we're talking about like successes for these teams, um, like obviously I don't think anyone, unless you're here, you're really, really hopeful about how everything comes together. I mean, this year is just figuring out who plays well together, mm-hmm. you know, who fits with Jalen Green. Who fits with Jabari Smith? And, you know, hopefully Jabari Smith is as good as you thought he was. Um, hopefully he dribbles a little bit this year. That'd, that'd be a pretty big success. Uh, and if Alpern Changun and Jabari Smith, if they are just a great tandem, they work together well defensively, especially like defensively, if they can synergize and Changun can prove like he can be a, a stocky post player and you can allow Jabari Smith, because you want to allow Jabari Smith to be what he is. I mean, he's a elite help defender. I mean, he's going to erase a lot of mistakes, but if he's constantly having to erase his front court mates mistakes, as well as all these other guards, that's, that's not going to be unlocking his true potential. But if Alperin Shangun helps him unlock that and he's doing everything offensively, that's, 
I mean, that's for me is that's that's a success. We're talking about all this defense, though. Let's talk about some of these other guys. They got Tari Eason in. Uh, if he's an 18th pick in the draft or 19th pick in the draft. Um, what, what I'm forgetting what uh pick the Rockets had, but they picked him up this year. Jay Sean Tate, they inked him to a new deal, and he feels right now like he's gonna be. It's funny because he was he felt like a young player a couple years ago, but he's already like 25, 26. He's an older player coming into the league, but he's a culture setter on the defensive end of the floor. Um, Usman Garuba, he didn't he, he didn't even like see the court last year. I mean, is he gonna play this year? But he's got tremendous defensive potential. I believe in Kenyon Martin Jr. as a very good two-way rotation player. They got a lot of wings, versatile wings here that you look at the makeup of this team, you have dynamite offensive players, and then you have a handful of guys who you could project to be potentially elite wing defenders. Like, there's there's a formula here for a very good two-way team. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's definitely true, and I think that's something they're going to be looking to build on this year. Obviously, uh, last year they were they were one of the worst in terms of uh, defense. Uh, I think they were thirtieth in opponents' points per game at uh, just over one hundred and eighteen, and they were 29th in terms of defensive rating with one hundred sixteen point seven. Not saying they're going to be up, but if they can be somewhere around the nineteen twenty mark, especially on the defensive side of it. That'll be a ginormous, ginormous improvement for this team. And that will really be everything coming together them and them showing their coach, showing the front office that, yeah, we may still be in the middle of a, of a rebuild, but we have a really great core here that is worth just building around from the, from this moment now, uh, if, if that all comes together this season. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know, Silas would be a very happy man. Very half mad if that happens. Um, yeah, the key is like who who earns minutes, what who stays on the floor. Um, Jay Sean Tate, does he get better offensively? Does Tar is Tari Eason just another Jay Sean Tate? Like he could be this guy three years from now where it's like, oh, he's so good on defense, but if only he could shoot. Like you need to shoot, you need to be able to provide something offensively. And I think again, that's where I think you look at, at Shangun. Um, and you look at a guy like Ty Ty Washington, um, that's a player that I think we need to watch as well. Not being mentioned, you know, he fell in the draft. He was very highly regarded the beginning of last year. Um, but we talked about him earlier this year, about injury that kind of derailed his season, his drop stock in the draft. But as a playmaker, I think most scouts will admit that he is a very good playmaker. He'll be a very good pick and roll uh, point guard from the beginning. And I think he'll be probably on the team, their best pick and roll point guard, just on paper. Like if maybe things don't come together game one, this NBA season, but I feel pretty confident he's probably their best. And that'll be fun to watch. But I think that brings into question my guy, KPJ, where is he fitting into this team right now? Is, is this a team that he's going to be on in the short or long term? I, th- I think right now, I think he's still a starter. Him and him and Jalen Green are still the starting backcourt. I don't really think there's there's too many uh, too many question marks about that. I mean, he had, he had a really good year last year. He's still only a young player, 22 years old. Averaged 15.6 points, 4.4 rebounds, 6.2 assists, and 1.1 steals. He shot 37.5% from three. 
48.2% on catch and shoot attempts and 46% shooting on his twos. I mean, he was one of the one of the more efficient scorers for this team last year. And he kind of picked up a bit of the slack when Jalen Green, obviously he was putting the points on the board, but sometimes efficiently, especially from three, was struggling. That's where Kevin Porter Jr. came in. So it, they provided kind of a nice... Uh, a nice balance with each other, and he had the he had the playmaking as well that Jalen Green didn't really have in his rookie year. Yeah, I think I, I hope that this is a and this is all about culture. This is all about coaching, um, makeup of the team. What what's how's the organization developing the young guys? Because you know you hope you have a situation where there's competi- good competition, healthy competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how KPJ will deal with that, and I hope he deals with it well, like we know his issues in the past. I'm, I'm a big KPJ fan. I'd love his game offensively, but the defensive end is where things are going to, are going to really make or break a season because, you know, he's not going to have an argument on this team where, Hey, you can't take me out. Cause I'm your only like guy who's getting buckets. Like, no, Jalen Green's going to do that. We have Shane Goon. We, we have options here. And if he's not picking up things defensively, I mean, we'll throw, we'll throw in Jay Shante. We'll throw in Kenny Martin Jr. We'll throw in Eason. Like we'll give more minutes to those guys and it's going to come down to him, not just being a better defender, but if Ty Ty Washington is, is a better fit with Jalen green, because if, if Jalen green is who we think he is, you know, KPJ is kind of an unnecessary piece of the future, unfortunately, because I, I do believe in him as a player, but like if Jalen green is as good as we think he is, you don't really need a guy who's, like the, the elk of, of a KPJ, that kind of shooter, not really a primary playmaker, not a great contributor defensively, but, you know, can get you buckets. That's kind of more a sixth man on this kind of team. I think he's he's more talented than a sixth man, but does he fit with Jalen Green long-term? If Ty Ty Washington comes in, he's like a dynamite playmaker. Maybe he's not shooting as well. Like that, that still will come along. Um, that That's actually a huge, an interesting, uh, Thing that can flip for a player like that he's for his career high school uh early on in, in college in the beginning of the season like great shooter if he comes to the nba and that's just like re-emerges he's a great shooter and he's a great playmaker like that makes things very very murky for for kpj like does he get traded is he on the trading block is, is he someone that you package along with uh eric gordon who's got two years left in his deal 20 mil um I'd want to, I don't want to think about trades immediately for this team, but that's the kind of thing that has to be figured out by the end of the season is who are actually going to be on this team when they're contending again with Jalen Green. Yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely true. There's definitely going to be some pressure on KPJ to to step up this season. And like you said, let's just, let's just wait and see how he handles it. Hopefully he's able to handle it well because he's certainly got the talent to be able to be to be a starter on, on uh, within the current makeup of this roster and to show the the people in charge, the coach, the front office that he's the guy that can play alongside Jalen Green. But quickly just on Jalen Green, let's let's be real. He he's kind of the X factor for this Houston Rockets team. I know everyone's gonna be thinking how obvious this is, but I mean you think about what he did last year. He was the number two overall pick, still just 20 years old, averaged 17.3 points, uh shot 50% on his twos. Struggled a bit with his threes, but the attempts were there. So you have to assume he's working on that. He's going to get more comfortable with that. And that we're going to see that percentage 
begin begin to rise for him, especially even the the catch and shoots. He was only shooting one percent better than uh, the overall three point percentage, which is a uh, kind of a bit uh, a bit iffy. But he was all rookie first team. He had eight thirty point games, including six of the last seven. He went on a he went on a hell of a tear uh, towards the end of the season. He had that thirty point game where he hit eight three pointers. He was the first Rockets rookie to score at least 30 points and at least eight threes ever. He's shown those flashes of that guy that you just, you want to be the lead face of your franchise as you look to go and compete again. He's got the flash. He's got the athleticism. He's got the, he's got the face, the smile, everything that you could want. <laughs> it's just a question of, and he's got the hair. Can, yeah. Can, can it all, can it all come together? And can he be a lead star in this league? And, and just in the short term, would it be crazy to think of Jalen Green being an All Star in twenty twenty three? Yes, you're Why? you're a crazy person. You're an absolute crazy person because the Rockets are not going to be nearly good enough to be in the plan. And there's way too many deserving te- players on teams that will be in the playoffs and in the plan. And I think all right. The question question is: Will he get All Star buzz because being a twenty point pre M scorer? Yes, he'll get buzz. Okay. I think he will get buzz, and he that's, can. That's fair. That's but he fair. won't be now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's just it's just that simple. It's just when you look at it, like it's in terms of the age thing, it's not really the the market because we've seen plenty of guys who have been twenty one or younger, or even twenty or younger, get all star nods in the past. It's just a question of how how much the Rockets are going to sugar and just how there's a good chance uh, a lot of players that weren't all stars last year are coming right back into to reclaim their spots as all stars so it's going to be tough for any uh any first timers to be able to uh to be able to get in next year but i definitely think if we're looking around the all star time when uh, we're starting to uh, put in our votes for for the all star team jalen green is averaging like 23 points a game and maybe if the playmaking starts to come together a bit and the players around them start to hit more shots if he's around the four or five assist mark, you'd definitely be thinking he's how ha- he's putting up all-star numbers and definitely Rockets fans. I, I, I'm believing that Rockets fans will definitely be kicking up a fuss that Jalen Green has not got himself an all-star now because I do believe he is going to be capable of having a season that is worthy of, of getting a nod, even, even as a reserve. But I just think, I think you're right in terms of where the Rockets are going to be and just the overall landscape of the leagues, so, just so much talent, so much more experience in the league. It's going to be uh, unbelievably tough for him to actually to actually get the nod this year. Yeah. So okay, like pie, pie in the sky. Then let's let's do pie in the sky situation. Like Jabari Smith is like a forty percent three point shooter, and is basically having like a a Jaron Jackson Jr. block rate kind of season. Ty Ty Washington is like a dark horse, like rookie of the year, becomes their starting point guard. Jalen Green is like a 23, 24 point per game score, approaching like 50, 40, 90, and he's getting all-star votes. And they make it to like the 10th spot. Like the, the Kings suck, like another team gets hurt, Blazers suck, and they just somehow make it in. Then it's like, okay, you have to, you have to vote for for Josh Green, and then he has to be there. Oh, and then for we're Josh not, Green, I don't know about voting for Josh Green. Or, or, <laughs> J- Jalen Green, yeah, Josh, yeah, Josh Green. That's that's never happened. But uh, maybe that. I mean, that's pie in the sky. I, I think in the future, though. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason for this, 
the the exciting thing about the Houston Rockets, uh, this is the last thing I'll say about them, is that you have your star player and you have exciting surrounding players around him, both offensively and defensively. I mean, Jabari, Jabari Smith is is going to be a really big headache for this team, I think, not in terms of his play on the court, but wondering how good he can be. I think it's going to take a while for us to understand how good he can be because, you know, he just doesn't have the ability to create on his own right now. And that, that was painfully obvious in summer league. You know, he has a lot, he has a lot to add to his game in order for that to happen. But you got a lot of players on the team that can play some serious team defense and one-on-one defense. And you have dynamic players. Alperen Shingun could be kind of this, this funky, you know, we type of player that, you know, doesn't fit a typical mold that can do something exciting. And I, I hate making that Jokic comparison because I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Jokic, but the way that he plays kind of goes away from your typical expectation. And it's going to be a fun season regardless. But when you look at this team, you're not waiting for that next guy. You're not waiting for, okay, we need to trade for that guy to, to, to get good. Mm-hmm. I think you can believe in this core and have fun with this season and just see how different lineups work, see how different players uh, work together. And like, as a fan base, it's going to be fun to kind of, you know, pick your guy. Cause there's going to be like, you might be a Tari Eason guy. You might be a Jay Sean Tate guy. You might be a big Usman Garuba believer. Um, I hope they, they never, did you see that picture in FIBA of Usman Garuba, by the way? No. <laughs> oh no. I don't know. Look, look, look it up. I'm, I'm pretty sure he, uh, he, uh, he shot himself during a game. <laughs> Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen in NBA. I'm not, not I'm not answer. kidding. I'm not kidding. I couldn't even, I, I literally couldn't even come up with a punchline to tell you that, but I, I think that literally happened. Uh, but I digress. Like you might be a Newsman Garuba guy. And if you are, this has been a tough summer to, to see him on Twitter. Might be a Kenny Martin. There's a lot of guys in the team that you can believe in. And we'll, we'll see who ends up rounding out this roster two years from now. But I think they, they have several guys who are going to be part of this core moving forward it's just figuring out where they are in the hierarchy someone needs to step up and make themselves clearly above the rest Jalen Green's already there who of those other wings are going to make it and that's going to be the big question and success of the season if by the end of the season they have they have lineups that you can go into the following season like hey these are our guys this is who we're going to ride with like that I think that's a success you know you're not going to be in the playoffs this year but you find out what works and what could work to a playoff level the following season that that's a that's a big success yeah yeah 100 i think uh, i think i'd have to agree and i think it's for sure this year there's, a, there's it's going to be fun but most likely going to be another a bottom bottom four seed houston on unless all things come together they have multiple rookies having rookie of the year uh, type years. Jalen Green just goes superhuman. Sangoon, everything comes together. Sangoon grows four inches. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and, uh, and multiple other teams have really bad <laughs> years too. That, 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 that will all need to happen for them to, uh, for them to be, uh, to be competing even for the, even for the play in. But uh, I think that's about enough on, on Houston. I think we got to switch over to another team that are in a very, quite similar sort of position in the Oklahoma City Thunder. What, what what do we think about them ahead of this year? Obviously, the big news is we don't get to see Chet Holmgren, which is obviously a, a big disappointment. Let why don't we start there? Um, for for Chet being out, I think that's a huge bummer because obviously that's your that's your big pick in the draft. Really excited to see how he 
you know, works with Shay, how he works with uh, with Giddy. And you, you start to maybe think, oh, okay, maybe he's good enough this year that we can make him play out. Like, there's there's a lot of excitement about what he could add to this team right away, not just in the future. So that sucks. But I'm going to give a silver lining here. You give more opportunity to a couple guys who I think could be really good. Um, specifically, we don't know how good Usman Dieng is. And he's a guy that, you know, two years from now could literally be just, I don't want to say out of the league, but maybe he's, if he can't, if he really can't shoot and that's just, and that just won't ever come around, he's not going to, he's not going to stick. But this guy's size and his potential, just seeing how fluid he is with the ball with his like Kevin Durant ish body, like he has the kind of potential that, you know, you have to see what he can do. And I don't think you're, you would have got that with Chet being in for a full season because, I mean, Chet's going to be good from day one. Dang's not going to get a, a ton of time, a lot of ability to, you know, do something with the ball. If you can experiment with Jang and, and kind of see, oh, he's going to be a guy, like a legit player in this league, that's a pretty important question to sort out as opposed to him getting kind of lost in the mix over the next couple of years, and then you never know. So I think in a development year, I think we kind of know what, if Chets can maintain his health and this is just some freak accident, like I think we can still go into the next season and be like, all right, reset. He'll still be a part of the future. But if you can find out what you got from a guy like Jang, that I think is a, that's a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He's definitely going to come in as a, as a very raw talent, but it's also going to be exciting. And it's got to be hopeful that we get to see that little, that little bit more of him that we probably would have if, uh, if Chet was in the lineup, but uh, speaking of the more the more seasoned players on this team, Shea, Shea Gilgis Alexander, twenty four years old now, heading into his fifth season, it's really time for him to to show his star power. I know it's he's playing in a team that are in a rebuild mode, and it's not like he has to do it and has to lead this team to the playoffs this year or anything like that. But he's a, he's an experienced player now. I mean, in terms of what he can do, what he can do as potentially the leader for this team. This is the year, I believe, for him to show it. I mean, last year he had a really decent, better than decent season, 24 and a half points, five boards, just under six assists, 1.3 steals, and just under a block a game. Shot 51% on his twos. Obviously struggled massively on his three-point shots, shooting 30% there. So we're going to need that to to boost up but if you're looking at him this year and he's averaging around 25 5 and 6 and we see that little bit of a boost in efficiency that'd be huge because I mean last year this guy was right on the cusp of really breaking out and people really saying god this guy is a really legit star I mean he had 20 30 point games last year that was, that was top 15 in the league he was ahead of a, a lot of uh, kind of the stars that you'd uh, almost forget about and only uh, only 6 of them had uh, he had six sorry he had six more than any other player on a team that were outside the plane so he was kind of the guy on the outside uh, the star on the outside last year he's probably going to have to be that again this year but i think it's time for him to really show that he can be the lead star of this OKC team as they look towards getting back to competing over the next couple of years uh, yeah i think i i don't want to turn this into another trade thing, but I think he's too good to be on this team. 
for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I and the shooting too. I, I think that's that's an anomaly. I mean, his 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 volume only went up by 0.4, and he had his worst shooting uh, season this year, and he still had his best scoring season. And you you see, he's gotten much more mature playing the pick and roll, and I think he's going to be a, a pick and roll operator, a, a top five point guard in the next five years. And he should have been him and DeJounte Murray. Like it it was, you're kind of splitting hairs. And because of the injury last year, Shea didn't get in, but I think a lot of people probably would have voted Shea in over, over DeJounte last year. Um, That's not a knock on DeJounte, but I think Shea is just a far superior offensive player. Um, But is he going to be too good for this team? This team is so far away. And like how, as a guy, and this is really up to him, you know, I don't, I don't know what he's about. Like if he's, if he's trying to just stick this out to, to whenever, if he's a loyal guy, but he is going to, he is going to be a 25, five and five player. And I think he's, he's going to probably not have to do too much offensively in terms of playmaking too much more because you got giddy. So I don't think he's going to get much better in that regard, but the shooting I think should, should definitely come along. If you've, if you've watched his progression, he's taken more threes every single season and he got um, he's gotten a little bit less efficient um, but I mean, he shot 42% last year. I mean, that, that should come back up. Um, I just don't think he belongs in this team right now. They, they feel like they're like three, three, four years away. But if Shea got traded to a team like, like the Bulls, that he got traded to a team like the Hawks instead of if they got him instead of, uh, DeJounte. And that, that's actually a funny exercise. Like, would you rather have DeJounte or would you rather have, uh, Shay, if you're the Hawks, you're you're trying to compete in the playoffs. It's a, it's a fair question. Like a tough tough to pick. He's a guy that's going to con- that could contribute today to a team that's trying to make it deep in the playoffs. Does that guy belong in this team? Probably not. It's just a question of where it'll be interesting to see where he where he might end up now. I mean, is there any team that really jumps off the page? I think should should look at him and try and make a move. Is there any, any team that you could think of there? Uh, I mean, Chase from Canada. I don't know. Toronto won his boy back because they're kind of on a, on a fast track to, to contention. They don't really have a package. I don't think, but I think it's, it's up to if Shea wants out, mm. is Shea going to make noise to get out? And we haven't heard anything about that. Um, I think a lot of us were, were wondering if the Thunder would want to pay him at this stage of their development, but that seems to not matter. But that, that's, that's the thing that kind of stinks about that does think about Chet being out is that it's, it's about Shea because Giddy, you can wait. I mean, he's what turning 20. Yeah. And he's a guy who's going to continue to get better. Um, and they have all these other young players. Obviously you have, you have Jang, you have, you have Chet. Um, but I, I think that you, you miss out on a chance to at least be competitive for Shea. And is that frustrating for him? Is he ready to just keep waiting year in, year out, watch everybody compete in the playoffs? And a guy like that who like really wants to compete, really wants to win, like that, that stinks. Like that, that hurts. And like a, if you make him used to just like not competing in the playoffs, like how do you develop in your career like that either? That that's not an easy thing to just watch on the sidelines. Um but I could see I could see him this this year maybe this being the uh, almost a final straw for him if he 
is able to come out and have another big year like we both expect him to do, would this just be the time where he just says, okay, we're not going to be ready to compete next year. I, I'm ready in my career to compete now. I, I need to get out of here. Yeah, it would be fair. You never like to see players demanding trades off of teams, but the position he's in his career and the position the Oklahoma City Thunder are in in their development, they kind of have to do what the the Spurs did with DeJounte Murray. They kind of just have to be realistic and just accept that maybe that player is at a different stage of his development than the franchise is uh, moving forward. And that, that could be something that we see next year with uh, with Shea and OKC. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's his fifth year. It'll be his first year of his max deal. So he's he's under team control for four years. So it's like, if you if you make that request, they can just say no, and then it's just awkward, mm. you know. And and as a young player like that too, zero all stars under his belt, zero all NBAs under his belt. But you know that that's a type of thing that you know your if your agent starts leaking to other other teams, like hey, make make an offer. It's it's time he doesn't want to be here anymore, like that that sort of thing. And that I I wonder if that's where the rumblies come from. Um, but and one more guy I want to talk about though. Did we did we talk about our breakout player? How about how about you pick yours? Uh, I I look at I was kind of torn on this one. I was kind of thinking about the uh, both Josh Giddy and, and Lou Dort. I was kind of looking at uh looking at both of them. I guess I'd probably go for Giddy because I think as much as he's still a young player, I can still see him popping off this year. Yeah, obviously had a really decent. Uh, rookie season, 12.5 points, 7.8 boards, 6.4 assists. Shot 49% on his twos. Obviously struggled massively uh, shooting from three. If he can kind of bump that up just just that little bit, if he can get uh, even into the low 30s, that would be a, a ginormous leap for him. And if he can get that scoring up to somewhere in like the 15 to 18 mark, because I know the rebounds and the assists, they're going to stay there. He's going to be a great playmaker in this league. But if he's coming out next year and he's like a a 16.78 assist guy. I mean, that would not be crazy. I'm not saying it's going to bump up the team, but he's going to look like a star that they uh, that was kind of I don't think he was tightly too much when he got drafted by the by the Thunder at, at the 6 pick, but he's got the talent and he's got the size to really be a, a, an impactful player on this team. Maybe not the lead star, but definitely a guy you want building around when you are looking to build a team towards competing in the next few years. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Like, his game will have to to change a lot uh, in terms of the scoring end. Um, he's very, he's very like, he's a very stiff shooter, and... You know, he, do, he doesn't get into his his shot in a dynamic way. He's not like taking step back threes. Like you compare like two opposite ends of the spectrum offensively. Like you you watch a guy like like Jalen Green, and he has so he has so much potential as a shot creator, but the way that he thinks the game like that needs to come along. Like and it's and it's tough to to kind of think about like what what would you trade for? Like because Josh Giddy like the way he computes the game the way that you watch him both in the open court and a pick and roll, and he can see plays evolving. And that's, that's a talent. You can't teach that to players. And that's something that allows him to, from, he was from day one, he's an elite playmaker. And, but the, the shot creation though, like athletically, 
and skill wise, like it's not, it's not there yet. And that, that I wonder how long that will take. I mean, he's a, he's a very skilled player. So, I mean, that can come along quickly, but um, I, I think he'll have the chance to do it. You know, next to Shea, it seems like that that's an interesting dynamic where they can kind of oscillate between the two as on ball, off ball players. And you thank Billy Donovan for, for Shea being that good at, at sharing the court like that. But I guess where does the hierarchy land? Like, and this is the same thing we talked about the Rockets, like where, where do these players land in, in terms of, you know, who's, who's the lead player? Is, does there need to be a lead player? Is, does you just continue experimenting with Josh Giddy like he's going to be a scorer? Cause it doesn't feel like he's a natural uh, guy who's going to look for a shot like that. Like maybe he's just the, the point guard moving forward. Um, what do we, what do you think about Jalen Williams? That that's my, that's my pick. I, I think that as a rookie, Jalen Williams at 21 years old, 21 year old rookie, he's a little bit older. Um, he's a guy that I was super impressed with looking at his tape and really impressed with watching him in summer league. And he's got, he's got a lot of things that I think Josh Giddy doesn't have. I mean, I think Josh Giddy's a much better playmaker, but Williams to his own right is also a very smart playmaker but he's a big wing who can shoot, who can create his own shot to get to the rim. And I, I think that's one thing that, that Giddy's still going to need another year of physical development to get to the rim. His free throw late with free throw rate was super low. Um, doesn't really have the physicality to get there yet. But Jalen Williams from day one, I think, has the body and has the ability to do that. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's definitely an interesting one. I obviously. And it's probably one that's going to go under the radar, even if he does have a really decent year. You probably won't get too much, uh, too much attention playing out in, in OKC. But I think that's going to be helpful for him in terms of his long term development. I do, I do believe that he's going to be able to come in and, and provide a pretty instant impact on this team. And I think he might uh, work well with with Giddy, especially if his shot. And uh, and his scoring ability comes comes straight off the bat. I think him and Giddy could uh, could could prove a pretty decent tandem together, playing playing alongside one another. Not like it's one or the other. I think they're they're going to be playing plenty of minutes together. Whether it's starting minutes, I uh, guess we'll have to wait and see. That's that's what the the off season, the preseason is going to be about figuring out uh, figuring out what the best lineups are. But yeah, Jalen Williams is definitely one who probably isn't going to be in the rookie of the year race, but when you actually look back on his rookie season, I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised at what he puts up. Yeah. This is kind of the funny thing when you have, when you have a, a roster like this, that you've, I mean, we all love positionless basketball, right? We love versatility. We love players that can do so many different things. But when you look at the thunder, it's like, okay, like Jalen Williams, yeah, he's a really good passer, really good shooter, can do kind of all these things. Josh Giddy, yeah, he can do all these things. Shea can do all these things. They can share the court together. Like, who's their big? Like, who who is their center? Who is going to accept a role to set a ton of screens and roll to the rim? Who's going to accept a role to, to, you know, spot up in the corner? Like, do they just continuously rotate and do that? Like, it's... It, it feels like the Thunder are becoming this extreme of positionless basketball where, you know, as a, you know, as a fan, you, you look at this team, you look at, okay, what, what can these guys do? Or even as a coach, like, how do you even sort that out? Because there's just so many players with so many skills. Like, all right, what are you actually best at? What are you going to do consistently to help this lineup work? And maybe 
and maybe that just everyone's good enough to to do that fluidly but a common theme that you hear uh in the nba is that you know players really start to develop and they start to take their place in this league once they've determined like what is their role you know not everyone's a star player like what is your role what are you good at what can you do consistently to contribute to a good team and it's kind of hard when you when you look at so many of these players that you know can do so many different things and are good at all of them and have potential to be great at a lot of them but not everyone can do that you know is Jalen Williams going to be able to develop into what he can be next to Josh Giddy? And, you know, is, is Shea just going to relegate uh, his playmaking to, to Josh Giddy? And I, I think, you know, that's a, that also plays a, a role in, you know, whether or not OKC decides that Shea is better as a, as an asset to trade as opposed to keeping him around. But um, I don't know what, what's the, what's the level of success? What's the threshold for a successful season for the, uh, for the thunder because it, it does feel it does feel a little bit more confusing than than a team like houston because there's i think more questions about what the hierarchy is in terms of their better players but i uh i'm not sure are they just going for another first round pick is this just the the web and yama year for them yeah yeah i, I think so i think the, the the important factors for them this season is going to be figuring out their best lineups trying to build a bit of chemistry within the group that they already have Finding a way to be able to integrate the um the rookies like Diang, like uh, like Williams, and then just getting the most out of uh out of Shea and and possibly Josh Giddy as well. Still think I think they could be a fun team to watch. They're gonna be a team worth keeping an eye on, but if they are anywhere above the bottom three of the Western Conference, I will be absolutely shocked. I who's going to be better though? Are they is it going to be OKC or or Houston? That's that's a big that's going to be very interesting. I'm going to take I'm going to take Houston and take Houston. I think so too. I think Houston's Houston's going to be better defensively. Uh, offensively, that's that's a question mark. I think I think when you have Giddy, when you have Shea, I, I think they could be better offensively. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Houston's going to be a, a more organized team, at least defensively, too, to that point. But then a deeper question of that, who's actually better if you're lowering your lottery odds? Or does it matter? Maybe they're, they're just because the bottom three has the same chance to get to the top pick. Yeah, I mean, look at it this way. Houston have had the worst record the last two years, and they still haven't got a number one pick. So, oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Maybe maybe you don't need it. Maybe it's not all about getting having the worst record. It's just uh, just being in the conversation, you know. Yeah, and our, my last shout out. Got to shout out Trey Mann. I think he'll be a fun uh, player to watch uh, for for all the Thunder fans out there. I think I think Trey Mann's uh, starting to become a a fan favorite out there, uh, coming off the bench. He should be an exciting uh, explosive player. Give him some time this year. But uh, who who do we got next? Who do we got next uh, for next episode? Who are we covering? I think it's gonna be San Antonio and uh, San Antonio and Sacramento. I think are coming coming up next. Uh, they they should be t- they are gonna that's gonna be an interesting an interesting episode. What, what way we uh, we both well the Kings finally make the playoffs. We'll make that short. Maybe not. Yeah, uh, we just have to say no, and then we're we're done. Yeah, <laughs> that'll, that'll be that that won't be short and sweet. But no, uh, we'll we'll give that time. I, I think they have a chance this year, so we'll we'll uh, we'll break that down next time. But um. I think we, we had more than we thought we uh we would on OKC. Thunder should be fine. 
Yeah, that's the most important thing. Both teams could be fun to watch, but fans of Houston, fans of OKC, maybe don't get your hopes up on uh, anything spectacular happening this year. Just enjoy, enjoy the team figuring out uh, where their next moves are going to be. But uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. I'm Ronan Gain. My thanks to Christian Nambu for joining me as always. And thank you all very much for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and follow us on all your favorite social channels. From Twitter to TikTok, we are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And remember, take every shot and love every moment. <laughs>